Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that will forever and always just say no. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're cleaning out our ears so we may listen to the light as we talk Frank Henenlotter's 1988 classic, Brain Damage. But first, let me remind you, we are part of the Boom Howdy podcast network. Boom Howdy. You can find all of our past episodes at boomhowdy.com, or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your Henenlotter hole. <laughs> now... We are at least two months away from the month of October, but mm-hmm. genius, we we enjoy October, do we not? Just a little bit. You know, a little bit more than the average person. No, fucking October is fantastic. And I if can't you, wait. Counting down the days. We are truly counting down the days, and we want to make sure that you are counting down and saving certain dates in the month of October, which is why we are plugging so early here, but if you are in the Kansas City area or... Dare I say the Midwest? Yes. We have some events that are definitely uh, road trip worthy, mm-hmm. if I may. So starting on October 6th, Kansas City Horror Club, what do they have in store for us there, Genius? It is our second annual double feature drive-in horror movie night. I am so excited for this one. This is going to be two movies. It's going to be Night of the Creeps and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. There's going to be a vendor arts and craft fair right before with all local artists, all local vendors making handmade wear, art, all kinds of cool shit. And it's $10 a carload. $10 a carload. And dare I say, be inspired by killer clowns, Mm -hmm. cram everyone in. Just pack them in. Just pack them in. And tickets go to Eventbrite and search Kansas City Horror Drive-In. It'll be the first thing that pops up. And you can buy your tickets. And they are going. So I I wouldn't sleep on this. No, this is definitely one act now while you can. But Mm -hmm. definitely reserve your energy. Because next week, on October 12th and the 13th... Midwest, we're coming to you. Indeed we are. Uh, Over, it is going to be at the uh, Atumwa, Iowa. It is going to be the Halloween Palooza Film Festival. Mm -hmm. And we are, dare I say, we are technically very... Special guests. We 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 invited to come to the party. So we're going to be putting on the Game of Games round two. On October 13th at 2 o'clock, we will indeed be podcasting live. And as you said, we are going to do the second version mm-hmm. of our The Game of Games. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Nightmare Junk at the home game. Time to play the game. Who do you love? <laughs> I refer back to our last Panic Fest uh, live episode from 2018, but we're definitely breaking out, and it's going to be an interactive podcast. Mm-hmm. Very much game show-like. We will have prizes, guaranteed good time. Also, obviously, a ton of films that are going to be there, yeah. as well as Halloween alumni, uh, Nancy Keys and Kathleen Kinmont. Yes, they do it by the book. <laughs> they, cops, the <laughs> sheriff's daughter. do it by the book. Indeed. Now, reserve your energy, save your energy, because then the following week, on October 19th on Friday, yes. Nerds of Nostalgia present the fourth Nerdoween Horror Marathon. Sci-fi sleaze. We're going to get squiddly diddly. We are indeed. Over at Screenland Tapcade, this will be the fourth time we're putting on our annual horror marathon. Yep, Nerdoween. 
thir- three horror films. We don't reveal the lineup until you see them. Mm-hmm. But as you said, the theme this year is sci-fi sleaze. Yes, it's going to get ooey and gooey and tentacly. I guarantee, I can never guarantee a good time, but I definitely think this one. <laughs> this is going to be fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. We've been putting this one together uh, for a while now, but obviously we have our costume contest that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Vintage trailers. Prizes. Yeah, you're going to have a good time. It is always a good time. So make sure you're saving those dates in the month of October because we know there's a lot of Halloween goodness mm-hmm. that goes on in the month. So we want to make sure we have opportunities to present to you here and that's just what we got right now yeah we're still two months away and there's the the, trust us there's more in the pipeline so guaranteed good times in the month of october but speaking of good times here uh recently i've been seeing i've been reading more and then probably hearing more uh, articles and podcast episodes devoted to films from just banner year of 1988. Mm-hmm. I have uh, over at Daily Dead, they've done a whole series uh, focusing on horror films from 1988 uh, on the Corpse Club podcast, part of Daily Dead. They've done some great episodes. And in fact, uh, the Junk Food Cinema podcast has done a whole great Summer of 88 series. And it's just all of these, you know, just all this love yeah. to films from 88. Because the 80, 88, especially, there's a lot of good shit. I mean, the 80s, that's the great thing I love about the 80s. You pick a year and you're going to hit some gold. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I mean, just refer back to our Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament episodes. Uh, We devoted two episodes Mm -hmm. to the films from 1988. Yeah. Uh, So much of the fact, though, with our Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, if you're not familiar with it, what we do is we take eight films from the decades of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And we pit them together, March Madness style. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, and what is probably the hardest thing, as we've learned, is limiting yourself to just eight films from each decade. In like, for example, 87, there was like 20 different movies we could have chose from. 88, there was like 25 different movies we had to choose from. So it was just like, what the fuck? And that's just ones that we thought of and we've remembered and seen. So well, and that's what you know, and that's the probably the most frustrating thing is ultimately we when you go back to our tournament selection episode, we always do when we reveal what we're talking about. We always give honorable mentions mm-hmm. because we ultimately know something. So one of your favorites is going to be on the wayside, and it's going to be one of those films like, "What is wrong with you guys? Right? Why are you not talking and, about and this movie?" Even like during the time we like, ah, damn it, we should have picked this one there's, instead. You know, so there like, have been many times where you'll you'll hear us go, "Well, we you know we <laughs> we're already locked in." Fuck. Okay. Cool. <laughs> well, that leads us to this particular episode and a segment we call. I've seen that. Mm -hmm. And this whole segment comes about where we finally watch and talk about a film that if you would have talked to us the previous day and said, (laughs) uh, hey, genius, have you seen uh, Brain Damage? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And it's one of those things where we don't want to admit in polite horror company that for some reason a particular film is on our blind spot. Mm -hmm. And let's face it, because of, you know, through um, our love of trailers, of just talking horror you know, we could probably hold our own in a conversation with a film we've never seen. Exactly. We we could we we know when to hold them and we know when to fold them. So. <laughs> Which leads us to this particular film from 1988 that we did not talk about at all Mm-mm. in our Into the Mouth of March Madness. N- not even an honorable mention. Not even an honorable mention. And like, I don't know why, because this movie was insane. This definitely left a, a spot on my brain. That's it, for sure. Yes, pun intended. <laughs> right. This film, uh, written and directed by Frank Henenlotter. It tells a simple tale of boy meets monster, monster offers to make boy's life better, and then mayhem ensues. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. So, <laughs> Genius, uh, what was your interaction, what was your initial thought of brain damage? <laughs> well, I think, I think I summed it up best with one line, 
uh, right in the middle of it, I was like, well, that's never going to be a Monday mystery movie night. <laughs> this, is <laughs> <And> so... <laughs> this is definitely a film that I think probably plays better in private, that first viewing. Or a crowd. I mean, with the, with the with the right, right crowd. crowd. That's... That's that's then we didn't even plan that at the same time. That's just how you you have to have a certain kind of crowd for that's a crowd. It's a crowd pleaser. Well, ultimately, and what I think is funny is when you look at the films of Frank Henenlotter. I mean, even if I just say the word Henenlotter, what kind of aesthetic, what imagery pops into your head? Some ooey shit on Forty Second Street. That's when as soon as you say Henenlotter, you know you're thinking there's like mutants walking down, for, uh, like coming out of like dirty movie theaters. You know, there's like Franken pimps and hookers. There's like fucking like coked out monsters. Like it's just street toughs on every corner and on everything. So it's it's it, a dirty, dirty, wonderful place. It, and that's how weird is it that we truly look back at like that era of New York yeah. where you could get mugged, you could get accosted, but yet there was a charm to it. Right. You can get drugs and a prostitute and you can get your photo taken with a guy dressed up as Statue of Liberty. And see a great double feature right? all in one evening. And then hopefully not get accosted by street toughs and or brain eating monsters. And Hen and Lauder really, his films embraced yes. the dirty side of 42nd Street. It glorified it, if anything. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, because I love dirty 42nd Street. I love that shit. But it's ultimately, it's like one of those things I can appreciate on film, but God forbid, I would probably be deathly afraid being there. <laughs> right? Because you know me and Street Toughs. I would probably be like, would, I'd be like, this is awesome. People. But then until I got like mugged or something, it's like when Homer goes to New York and he's like, yay! Next thing you know, like terrible ill shit happens. I'm gonna come back. Man, I fucking hate 42nd Street. Have my faces missing. <laughs> like, you would have ended up in an Hen and Lauder film. I mean, I would be a basket you case. You would have. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Uh, Hen and Lauder primarily, I think most people know him from Basket Case. Mm -hmm. uh, Basket Case is one of those seminal, dirty New York 42nd Street films. What's in the basket, it's my brother? Your brother! <laughs> I love that line. Well, and it's such an absurd film. Yeah. I mean, and that's what's what's interesting with, I think, all of like the really good, higher, you know, top-tier Hen & Lauder mm -hmm. is that the films work because I think it's just like an accident of all these things coming together and just having a decent balance of things. Yeah, because it's insane, but it's real, it, you his, know? Well, and that's the thing. His his characters, his world feels lived in. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that a lot of the stuff that he ultimately shot on 42nd, they didn't have permits for. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were doing some real hardcore guerrilla filming. filming, yes. <laughs> which does add that level of realism to it. But this is a film that I don't know how it escaped me not seeing it, but I, it was a film I knew of. Mm -hmm. You know, I was I initially saw Basket Case. That was kind of my entry way into Hen and Lauder. The Hen and Lauder universe. Yes, and it, and I think, and it's one of those that it left such an impression on me. And I don't know if maybe it was that impression that steered me away from brain damage, but it's one of those that I was aware of, but never had it and never experienced it completely. Well, it's seen because I've, I've seen almost the same thing as you. Like, I haven't seen a lot of the Hen and Lauder movies, but I have seen Basket Case. And the first Basket Case was goofy, but it had a lot of that like weird scare to it. But then it just went off the rails as the franchise evolved, which is. It had a franchise. Right. And so, and I, so I've seen all the Basket Case. And so when I was like, 
okay from the same i don't know because you don't with if you look at the if you look at the basket case franchise it is all fucking over the place it's dirty then it's goofy then they got like mutants in a bus singing songs it's just all of a sudden it has like a weird family friendly feel to it yes it's the weirdest fucking thing so you don't know what there's like you can almost like the evolution of hen and lauder you know it's just from gritty to absurdist but yet still gritty and dirty well and i think absurdist is kind of an interesting way to look at this particular film i ultimately i picked it up on blu-ray finally picked up the arrow blu-ray because it was a film that had you know escaped me for so long was definitely in my blind spot and it was one though i knew that i had heard enough through people's you know appreciation of it the uh its reputation dare i say Mm -hmm. that i i knew it was going to be a good investment and so watching it for the first time by myself was a revelatory experience, and it's one immediately. I was like, "Oh my god, genius! Have you seen Brain Damage?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, I've seen that." <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. We and, do this to each other. Yeah. Where we? Why is it that I we? Don't know. We want to save face for some reason. <laughs> why can't we be honest with each other, Greg? Why can't we be honest? <laughs> because wh- what I what I love is the fact that <laughs> that first time experience it was a great experience, and then we had a chance to watch it. And again, just the, just that experience itself was hearing you react to certain <laughs> scenes in the film. Yeah, that in itself was kind of a joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think one of the beauties of horror is horror films, especially the ones that are more dare I say elevated horror. Yeah, but are ones that can serve as parables to um, you know ales in society. <laughs> This movie, Brain Damaged, is one part uh, horror movie, one part PSA. This is your brain on drugs. This is like, and you know what? It was shot. That's the cool thing. It was shot like one of those old school PSAs. Like, if you boiled it down, like, what's happening with the Billy or what's his name? Oh, he's going through changes he's, and he's, he's a different person now. Right, right. Well, so for those of our younger audience that don't necessarily know what the acronym PSA stands for, right. because you never know, mm-hmm. uh, that was a public service announcement. Dun, 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 dun. That itself was a public service. <laughs> the more <announcement>. you know, <laughs> indeed. But this film, it's and what's funny is some horror films can be very subtle when it comes to the political commentary, the social commentary, the allegory, the mm-hmm. metaphor, what have you. This ain't. No, this, this is this is blunt force trauma. <laughs> yes, it is, is what this is. Mm-hmm. This is truly. Um, Counselor sh- Mackey saying drugs are bad. Okay, if you take drugs, you gonna die. Okay, because this is a film that is not a parable. This mm-hmm. is a legit cautionary tale of why you should not dabble in drugs. Yeah, I mean, to the metaphor of needles sticking in your arm Ooh. and your brain, and then even when you're off the drugs, you're going through the withdrawals, the DT, all this crazy shit. I mean, this was, this felt like. Like the horrors of society. When you watch this film, you go through the experience that Brian himself. Now, Brian is our main protagonist here, as played by Rick Hurst. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because he actually had a really big uh, career in the soaps. That's so weird. Post brain damage. That's so weird. And I love to think that people kind of reverse engineer and in the day of IMDb, if you've got some <laughs> maybe, dare I say, more conservative person in the Midwest. Going well, I really like her work. Let's go see if his previous stuff. Right, oh, brain damage. What is this? Is this a what? Maybe one day the worlds will collide, and you know how, like in the soap operas, they always have the twin brother that's in the coma. It has the mustache. Right, it's like Brian. He's coming off of the drugs, Valmer, and like he's oh, like those... dun dun dun. Next time on Days of Our Lives, I would watch that. Yeah. I would watch that. You know yeah. what? The soaps they actually have themselves kind of a sleazy appeal <laughs> yeah, as they, it is. Forty <laughs> Third Street. 
on the Upper East Side. <laughs> but you got to think back in 1988. I mean, we were inundated with these PSAs. Yeah. Uh, we had the whole Nancy Reagan just, just saying, say no. Just say maybe. Just say maybe. <laughs> well, I even remember that was uh, it showed up in different strokes. Yeah. Whether it was Neptune, King of the Sea, and the horrors of bike, <laughs> bike shops, shops to the horrors of drugs. I mean, it was everywhere. 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 Drugs will kill you was the message that was drilled into our heads. And if you think about a lot of horror directors, a lot of them are kind of seen as rock stars in mm-hmm. many ways. So it was interesting to get a, a horror film that the main message was... Drugs are bad, okay? Because this is not drugs are good. This is not like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Let's party. This is like drugs are monsters, and they will kill your friends and yourself and everybody around you. Yeah, no, it's it's not subtle at all. And it's also, yeah, what that relationship with that does to everyone around you. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it is kind of the decay of the relationships of yourself and your family. That was fucked up in that movie when, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, he's going bad. Like, you know, he's my brother. What can I do? So, hey, let's you and me go make out and fuck around a little bit. You know, I'm like, man, that's a bullshit. Again, Henry Lauder's not very subtle when right. it comes to his characters <laughs> and what have you. But uh, what was nice with this particular film is uh, Rick Hurst, I actually think he does a really good job yeah, playing Brian because he does actually have some pathos throughout the entire film. Um, the fact that you kind of feel bad for him and everything mm-hmm. that he's going through, even though he's complicit in everything, but it's also you have to you know lend an ear of uh, sympathy and empathy with someone like that. Yeah, because he is addicted to Almer, and so he it, it's good for good, bad, or indifferent. This is the ride that he's on, and it's you do feel bad for him because like he is the hero, and there is genuine pathos. And you can see where like oh I can see the colors and all that stuff, and and then coming down and yeah it was it was definitely a, a, a telling you in your face that oh, it it's... completely is, and it's one of those that I can see now ultimately how I didn't come across this mm-hmm. film because I also heard initially that when it was brought out on VHS and DVD, it was really cut down. Like there was still a lot of stuff that was missing from this film, which ultimately I'm sure you can imagine what that is, especially if you picked up the Blu-ray. Well, cause we're over here talking about like, it's a serious drama. I mean, and, and it was, but it's also like, yeah, we're 17 minutes in talking about like just how it is. Actually, it's a, it's, it's a good, a, it's a good, like a good message of saying, don't do fucking drugs, you know? And, and we're making it sound like it's like a lot heavier than it is. I mean, it is but at the same time it's a brain worm that fucking injects a thing that and almer and it's so sleazy and it's so fucking dirty and like when you're saying the thing that got cut out of it god damn well genius what are you talking about let's talk a little bit about almer come on (laughs) i love it this is the reason why I think this film affected me in such a way <laughs> that the creature design in Brain Damage, and also going back to even Basket Case, if mm-hmm. Belial didn't work the way he did, even though he was straight up just a plastic little rubber monster, right? he still had some charm to him. Yeah, the little hands moving and the, <laughs> the puppetry. Yes, yeah. yes. With Elmer, I think you get a whole new level of sophistication to mm-hmm. the effects work. Mm-hmm. And what I think why this film works, and for me, it stuck to me. Though, like, it really you know, right. penetrated me, dare I <laughs> right say. in the back of the brain. The way it did, and it's all because of Elmer. Yeah. And Elmer is our, he is our monster of the uh-huh. film. He, now, how would, you, <laughs> how would you describe Elmer? Um, he's basically a real world version of a uh, cartoon Bing Crosby worm. <laughs> 
that just happens to be your pusher man that that eats brains and like because like the first time you see him like hey there it's like a madness of looney tunes in this hardcore psa message and the mix well so well because elmer He's an asshole. He is, but he's charming. He's extremely charming. And, that's, and he's smart, and he knows what he's doing, because he's been doing it for years. You know what he has? He has charisma. Right? I got the knowledge, but I got the brain power there, pal. You know? like I'll always be a friend there, genius. Mm-hmm. You know you can't be without me. You know it. I'll just be here when you're ready. Just come on back. So Elmer is our monster of the film. He is our our conduit to the blue juice, to Mm -hmm. literally our way to listen to the light. And it's really funny because he does look like he's very phallic. Let's just super phallic. I mean, again, no subtlety there right. when it comes to that. But ultimately, he's even more phallic in his final, in his big form. In his big form, right? His eyes. Well, when we're first introduced to him, uh, it's so funny because, like I said, it's so weird that this just evil demonic creature is so charming looking, mm-hmm. and it's all in the effects work of it's a uh, Gabe Bartalos designed him. And I think it's ultimately it's his eyes because they're cute. They're, they're, he's doing his little his eyebrow. Little he's thing. just giving he's giving you like the John Belushi treatment, right? Because they're not like big open eyes. They have like a little bit of droop to them, and but, they're and, like, but they're okay, somewhat they're. expressive. Yeah, they and are. And then it's the voice. Yeah, it is the voice. The con- <laughs> John Zachary provided Elmer's voice, and he was actually a big horror host back in the day. So he's actually a pretty big pull for everyone. And it is that voice. Like, I don't think enough credit is given to voice actors out there. Oh, I hardly agree. Especially ones that you don't necessarily like. Um, uh, oh, oh um, good Lord. The guy, um, Frank. Oh, no, this is Frank so- Welker. Thank you. Thank you. Frank Welker in his Toilet of Gold. That provides every <laughs> voice out there. Robert Paulson. And, yeah. And I think this is why the film works so well for me, is just the design of Elmer and mm-hmm. just how kind of charming he looks initially and the voice. But then... What I love is ultimately when it comes time to him to inject the juice. Yes. When he unhinges, unhinges his jaw and it just opens up with this mouthful of teeth, teeth in and, every direction. And they're undulating mm-hmm. and it just looks something nightmarish. And I think what's it's, it's that again, not very subtle, but when he reveals his true form like that to inject the drugs that he that's when you see the true nightmare that he yeah. is. Uh-huh. He loses the charm and you see him for what he is and he's just this awful thing. That is just driving you to do awful things in horrible ways. I mean, to inject a needle in right into the back of back the bra- of your spine and into like, the brain, right, right, and you get right these the, great mm-hmm. literal insert shots yes. of just a little bit of the juice activating, mm-hmm. and just that was a good effect. It was a very effective way that they showed how things worked. You know, because sometimes like drug tales are goofy, but the little expressions of brains, and he's like, "Now you're gonna be just." Fine. And he does the whole, gives him basically the whole first taste is free. Let mm-hmm. me show you what this, what the life will be like, Brian. Yeah. It was, cr- it's crazy how like, yeah. And it, then you were basically, what I love though, is that first time when he, when he's feeling the effects initially and you get some really creative shots here. And that's the other, again, the effects work I don't think can be underestimated and how really effective they are enhancing this film. But that whole scene with the water. Yeah. 
and just overtaking him and just being enveloped by it. Just coming over and then just all a wash. Yeah, that was a cool shot. It's a great shot. And even his first trip when he goes to the junkyard, which finally we get our first kill mm-hmm. of this horror film. But the color scenes were cool. When he was like looking at the colors, it was really very cool looking. And it especially serves... for in the back of the day. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You have to think about this film back in 88. We didn't really have the digital imagery and manipulation that we do now mm-hmm. they were layering on a lot of elements of film in here yeah and i think it adds to it but also i dare i say is this one of those films that you can like tune up a dark side of the moon and all of a sudden it just works out really nicely breathe into the air don't be afraid to care but ultimately you have the the unfortunate effects of what happens when elmer injects brian mm-hmm. is that he takes him out for a walk so he can ultimately enjoy you know the, the light the light and but next, there's a price yep he finds somebody and he wants to eat some brains he eats their brains and uh, and again uh, so mean in this film yes elmer turning on a drive but he is so nonchalant about it it's just what he does mm-hmm. he has it's just what i do it's i've got to do this brian and you want me to do it because if i keep doing it i'm gonna keep giving you the juice you know and it's just like <laughs> he's so manipulative and he's so like well uh, and when you don't get the juice like the old people that was heartbreaking that initial scene when in fact even the intro to this film, it just shows you what kind of like characters are populating the Hen and Lauder universe. But it was hilarious because I didn't want to laugh, but the lady's screams of pain were hilarious. She sells it. Yes, she, she does. She sells that kind of manic energy and just also that feeling of desperation and oh, I'm about to go through something really gnarly. Yeah. But like you said, but it is comic and it's it's another it's elevated. Yeah. That tells you the kind of world and it's a, a Hen and Lauder film. It's it's filthy and dirty it's, and and gross in a cartoon. But, but honestly, it, 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 they it's sell effective. It. Yeah. They they work. There was a lot of like love put in this movie. Well, and that's what I think. It's cuz it's I'm not going to say this film is balanced well because I don't no, think it, it is no, because it's, it's there's so much dour and downbeat to it. And then goofy and weird and sleazy. Oh, that's let's let's can we talk about that scene? Can we talk okay, and I actually have it on my notes as that scene. Can, can we talk about that scene? Let's talk about that scene. Because I think that scene will either you're either in for it or you're out of it, you know? Because you'll be up to them like, okay, I'm done. It's too much. And this is the particular scene that you famously now quoted. Yeah, we'll this, be watching this, this on. This will never be a Monday mystery movie night. Well, this actually this whole scene, the fellatio scene, uh, was not on the original home release, and I can definitely see why. Mm-hmm. Because this this is a litmus test scene. That would make it. There would definitely be an X-rated movie. Yes. If this was. Yes. I mm-hmm. mean, it's 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 equal parts just offensive. Yeah. Just sleazy. In your face. In literally, <laughs> literally. Yeah, literally. No, but like, because it comes out of like really nowhere, and you're not expecting it to well, be as graphic as it. That's just it, because there's a buildup to it. There's right. a definite buildup because this is our second victim that we get. And what's interesting though is the fact that the the, the I guess the means that Elmer will go to to get brains, mm-hmm. whether it's through the forehead or through the mouth or through any other orifice of any. Elmer will not be denied. Elmer don't give a fuck. And so when so when, I won't lie when I fought, saw this film the first time and I saw this scene I I did react it was one of the, and again I'm by myself but that shows you the power of this particular scene that I was like oh my god and I, I think I probably t- did it oh my god and just literally reacted like what am I watching right because I didn't know whether I should be offended whether I should laugh whether I should yeah exactly because you don't know if you should laugh you should be offended you're like this is gross but I can't stop watching I don't my when I first saw it I was like. <gasps> 
my jaw dropped and I let out and a gas. I was like, what? For anything, anything to offend your sensibilities. <laughs> right? I even think I put like, like with the I'll hand declare. on the Heavens, I'm getting the vapors. Is this really happening? You know, it's like, wow. I was like, yeah, it got me. And this is a scene that I definitely think in a crowd, like you said, this is the when you either they're in for it mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, this is great. This is fun. It's a Hen and Lauder film. Yeah. Or... Oh no! They're gonna stay in their seats, or they're gonna walk out. This—they're gonna give you the finger, saying, "What are you subjecting me to?" Right? Like this is bullshit. Fuck you guys! I was not expecting this, and it's not like it's like you know. I mean, you can say that with like graphic rape. You can say that with like kids or animals getting killed. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people like that, but this one, the fellatio scene was just so out of. I mean, it, it was a buildup, but I didn't expect them to go there and just be as as gross graphic. and graphic. Because that I was like. Oh my God! This is Ron Jeremy. Like, when did this become like colon damage? You know, it was we, just like we, we thought we went to that horror theater on Forty Second Street, but we ended up we in the, the porn exactly. theater on Forty Second Street. Yeah. Like, damn. Sorry. Similar surroundings, but <laughs> and then like <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, but it is. It's a dirty scene, <clears throat> and ultimately the payoff is again. The and money shot. The bra- yeah, dare you say, but yeah. with the brains coming out of the mouth. Mm-hmm. A reverse money shot. It is, it is. And it's again, it's shocking, and it's one that is going to elicit a response. Yeah. That is not a scene that you walk away going, eh, meh. Eh. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it before. <laughs> eh. Ooh. Don't, right. know, don't know what subgenre you're on there. Right, exactly. Like, you're, if you're not watching Sallow every day, this, not, this might not. <laughs> well, and I wonder, is this a film that you kind of have to prepare for? Um, Does, is this a film that you have to preface this with a warning see, for? That's the thing. I don't think so. I think you should be you should be warned throughout the movie, but I don't think we should say like there's one scene that if you don't like graphic fellatio, <laughs> and that's right. But first, but in fairness, who does like graphic fellatio? Oh, I hear on Nightmare Junkie, do not condone anything no, that Gina no. says. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no, but I'm like, you can't say like if you don't like graphic fellatio, don't watch this movie because let me. I mean, it's a scene. I mean, it's it packs a punch. It truly does. I mean, the movie. I think the movie would play well if it was just goofy, like oh, like a regular weird fellatio scene. But the fact that it was so shot graphically, I think this one separates the wheat from the chaff. I think this one is what's gonna make or break you. And I don't think we should warn people about like upon like you should just know this is a dirty hen and lauder film, and like you are gonna see some shit you're not gonna be used to, but. We'll talk about after. You yeah. know? <laughs> yes, indeed. Let's right. cultivate some conversation here. <laughs> yeah. Let's sign some N- NDAs here if we can. No, I agree. It's definitely because then ultimately what happens after that is finally Brian comes to terms. He's like, no, I need to come and I need to I fight need, this. I need to get clean. Yes, and which leads us to a very interesting scene where we have him in a sleazy, sleazier than what he is, you know, hotel. A sleazy bathroom hotel, fighting a battle of wills. Cold turkey, you know, going up. And there's a great scene where they're basically like, listen, you know, I, I enjoy what you do for me, but I can't have you going around killing people. Right. But yet Elmer at the same time is like, that's oh, what I, that's what I oh, do. You... Ba- battle of wills. Okay, Brian. Uh, let's right? see who falls out first. Uh huh. Come on back. When you're ready to come back and back, I'm just going to be oh, there. And that's the horror of everything. Because he's right. Yes. He's right. He's 100% right. And that's what's. It's such a weird parallel to addiction now. You know? I mean, without the fellatio scene and everything, this could still totally play as irrelevant to do this day 
anti-drug and, horror movie. And Elmer doesn't necessarily have to be drugs. He could be no. your phone for all it is. You right. know, you know, just any kind of addiction or any kind of you know metaphor that works, and it mm-hmm. works well. Yeah. But what's crazy is is you get just such a contrast with that scene because you have everything that Brian is going through with the withdrawals, and man, they make him look gnarly going through everything. It was an effective scene. I mean, you felt it's bad for Brian. Sad. Yeah, you totally did because you just finished seeing this horrific thing. And next thing you know, you feel bad for this dude because you realize it really wasn't him. He's trying to make amends or try to get control. Right. And so and you just see him like just break. And it was it was rough. But then you on the just in that same room on the other side. Hey the pilot singing songs. What I love with Elmer is when he does his little sway back Mm -hmm. and forth. It's so genial and jovial yep. and just so good natured because he knows he wins he has nothing elmer has nothing to lose because if brian's not gonna do it i'm sure he'll find somebody because else as we have seen in some great old person exposition yes the old people were great <laughs> the elmer has existed for ages uh-huh and a muse from the time of the greeks it's such a great little trope that you get in a genre film that you get like just that kind of exposition and mm-hmm. i enjoyed it because it gave i guess there gravitas to elmer mm-hmm. or the aylmer a-y-l uh, yeah aylmer yeah it, it gave him backstory it gave him like more character to know that he's this eternal being it, he's a love i think he's truly an old one yeah that has existed through various means and now ultimately he's like i said he's this conduit as this addiction metaphor mm-hmm. no it's it's really really good but ultimately um one of the things that I love with that particular scene is we get probably one of the greatest takes on the peewee bike chain bike gag <laughs> with the hallucination scene. Because you mm-hmm. get two things. And that's the other thing that this film I don't think it's enough credit for is it's a good body horror film. Yes, it is. Because it's slimy. And so we go from a nasty fellatio scene to a hallucination scene. And it starts with the the ice with the ear. Mm-hmm. When you get him pulling out, he basically feels a little bit of like brain matter in his ear. Pulls it out, which is just gnarly. And then you get oh, a scene that ugh, just he starts pulling out brain matter. Uh, and it is just. Yeah. And it is the peewee bike chain bike gag because it just keeps coming and coming. It's like that. It's like the uh, the intestine scene from Turbo Kid. From Turbo. Yes. And it you is a, a, not a Simpsons rate gag. It is. because it's, it's funny, not funny, funny, not funny. <laughs> the whole, the whole, a lot of this movie is Simpsons rate <laughs> gag. I mean, just because it's just. A lot. There's a lot in this movie, and it's so fun. But, but eventually, it's dour the, and sad, and it's also gross and hilarious, and it's weird. It really. It, well, that's. It's a weird film. Yeah. It's one I would recommend to any one of my horror fa- friends that I haven't seen it. But I don't know if I'd rec- recommend to, this one to a normie. I don't know if I'd recommend it to everybody. Even some of your other horror fans. I mean, some friends? of the horror. I think. I think they can handle it. You know, because it's it's a, it depends on what they are into. But I th- I think this one, like for this one, is know, know your audience if you're gonna on a personal level. But I would definitely show it. Not at Monday Mystery Movie Night. No, I'd, no, go, no. I'd go to I'd go to a screening, but I wouldn't host a screening. <laughs> I don't want to be held liable. For right. It. <laughs> I'll be gladly in the audience, but I don't want to be that guy up front going, "Okay, I'm hey. going to give you context." <laughs> They will hold you responsible. Yes, yes, they will. Yes, they will. So <laughs> it's a very interesting piece. When ultimately what happens is you get uh, where the old man and Brian finally tangle up, and Brian is getting his latest hit, and the old man comes in and pushes Elmer back into his brain, and he gets like the full on, mm-hmm. and ultimately becomes an overdose. Yeah. 
as what you would see with a lot of again the cautionary tales with drug tale with drug films back in the day is eventually they have to overdose. Mm-hmm. But with Elmer, it's a little bit different, and it leaves a very shocking and just um, again an ending image that stayed with me. Yeah. And again, just the the uh, the effects works in this film, I think, are just again enhance everything. But that last shot when you when he's got the like little tumors coming out of his forehead, mm-hmm. and ultimately he goes to take his life, but it doesn't work mm-hmm. because you get that last shot with just the light, just he's coming just, out of the head, he's just beaming el- out, eli- enlightened. He's just enlightened in a. In Did a, he hit the top tier of uh, Maslow's hierarchy there? Right? Is he? Is this like Elmer Nirvana? I mean, it's like. I don't know. It was such an not ambiguous ending because it's no. It's, but I I was still trying to because he's 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 gone. But at the same time, I was thinking like, now what? You know, is he forever like, in the embrace of Elmer? Uh huh. I I don't know. Like you said, it was super effective. It was. It was. And it's like again, it's an image that stayed with you. Hell, it made me think of a uh, garbage pail kids and atom bomb. Yeah. Just with the little thing out of the top of the head. It made me think of Brazil. Yes, yes. Yeah. Think ter- brain damage by Terry Gilliam. Oh my God, that would phew, <laughs> fear fear and Elmer in Las Vegas. <laughs> Double down, Brian. Oh, Double this, down. This is brain country. <laughs> <laughs> well, final thoughts on brain damage before we talk. I want to talk a little bit about some of other Frank Henenlotter's work. The Henenlotter universe. The Henenlotter universe. Like I said before, I would be more than happy to go to a screening, but I do not want to host it. This, but I, I dig it. I dig it. I, if you don't mind gratuitous fellatio horror fans, check it out. You will not. You shan't be disappointed. But know what you're getting in for. Indeed, yeah. We this one does come with a little preface, but definitely check out the Arrow Blu-ray. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, extra features. Plus, you get to see Aylmer on the big screen. You but won't be disappointed there, Padler. You'll keep coming back for more. I guarantee it. <laughs> now, other Hen and Lauder films, we obviously talked a little bit about uh, Basket Case, mm-hmm. which uh, and what's great is um, uh, Dwayne shows up yeah. in... Yeah, he does. Which shows you there is this shared universe within Hen and Lauder. Because even some of his regulars, like um, Beverly Bonner, shows mm-hmm. up, who was also in Basket Case. He's got his Hen and Lauder regulars. He's got the Hen and Lauder staple. The players. But it was kind of funny, because uh, Basket Case shows up for a little... And he's like, oh, that dude's fucked up. And when he, you mess up with Dwayne and Belial, when they're like, no, They're I'm, like, nah, he's, he's too much for us. Then you know that, yeah, you're in some good company. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the ones... And it's funny, because we were talking about off-mic, like... How do you introduce people to Hen and Lauder's work? Because the obvious answer is Basket Case. Uh-huh. It's a classic. It's, you know, Mount Rushmore of horror, but it's a dirty film. Right. But if you really want to introduce somebody to Hen and Lauder that you don't know, that you think they can handle gratuity and like goofiness. Want a date? Yes. I say Frankenhooker is probably one of. That's so weird to say that Frankenhooker is one of Hen and Lauder's most accessible works. Because it's fucking called Frankenhooker. <laughs> if you don't know what you're getting by then, you know? And it also touches upon the drug epidemic with, yes, with Super, super crack. crack. Oh, he's got Super Crack! Kaboom! Such a good scene. Such a great scene. Every scene in Frankenhooker was a great scene. And that's what's so funny is the fact that that is a film that could be really your entry level into Hen and Lauder. Right. It's so (laughs) weird to think about. It's like... Like when you talk about Steven Spielberg, okay, Jaws or Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, something more accessible. Like, what about this director, Frankenhooker? Okay. Well, you know what? I love the fact that the, it's in the it's in the title. It mm-hmm. tells you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's definitely it's a uh, Patty Mullen. 
play in Elizabeth who I think really cements the film yes. because she's a beautiful woman, but man, she is not afraid to just do the weirdest contractions and facial face. tics and just the whole like body. Want a date? <laughs> he says you got to pay if you want more. You got any crack? And then she's just walking around grabbing John's by and that that one John. Oh, boy, I wanted this my whole life. Kaboom. Oh, it's so so funny, and that's so that's funny. what's funny is the fact that it is a it's definitely a more fun film mm-hmm. than probably between because Basket Case is more dirty and fun. It's like probably the best combination. Yeah, with Brain Damage being the most gnarly, Frank and Hooker being the most fr- family friendly. Friendly with, with Basket Case right square in the middle of the basket. So you could ultimately have a very interesting Hen and Water sandwich. <laughs> And maybe you do it's a head dirty. Of, it, it's dirty and gooey. It's, it's been on the floor for more than five seconds. Extra sauce. You're like, ah, it's all slimy. A lot of texture to it. Right. But ultimately, you could start with Frankenhooker. Uh huh. You could go next level then with Basket Case. Yeah. And then and then ended in brain damage. I think that is a great progression. The allotted Hen and Lauder diet. If you were following along at home, allotted Hen and Lauder. The allotted Hen and Lauder. <laughs> Your hen and lauder chart points, however you need to track that. There we that. go. There we go. Well, the doctor says that if I have a little bit of Frankenhooker in the middle of the day, I can kind of indulge with some brain damage at night. So, <laughs> but no, quite honestly, regardless of what you do with hen and lauder, he's definitely has his own aesthetic, his yeah. own brand. Again, he's one of those guys, one of those people in horror that you just mentioned the name. And you get imagery. Mm-hmm. You get dirty image, gooey. And again, forty second. And there's the, nothing wrong with that no, at not all. Not at all. No, please. This, in fact, like I, like I said, I fucking, I think at the beginning of uh, Brain Damage, like, oh boy, Forty Second Street. I was like, <laughs> again, there's a charm to it that just doesn't exist anymore. But these films always exist, whether it's Larry Cohen, uh, whether it's Chud. Mm-hmm. You can go back to that just grimy era that just does not exist anymore. And dare I say, you know, has its place now in history i think we're all the better for having a handle on our universe i agree i agree you know whether you're a horror fan or a non-horror fan there are definitely good things that you can find in any of his films <laughs> so uh other thoughts on henna lotter before we wrap things up there genius i can go for some super crack <laughs> <laughs> i guess we'll go out and find a date so until next time gang this is greg d and i'm genius mcgee and we will see you in your dreams yeah.